afternoon. Welcome back to an episode of It's All About Perspective. I am, of course, of course your host, Robert Hinchliffe. 25 years ago, this dude walked into a library with me on the first day. And uh, for some reason, we hit it off. I don't know if it's because we're both small town kids in Vegas, but we had entirely too much fun for one year. And then he decided he couldn't handle the heat and went back to South Dakota, where he is now a superintendent. Donovan DeBoer, thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me, my man. That is 25 years ago. <laughs> Crazy. It was my wife that drug me back home, by the way. She wanted yeah, me. but you were going to get in trouble with us too much. You, you, it's probably a good thing that you left. She drug us out of the casinos and then <laughs> left us home. So. <laughs> what's, the what's, what's the temperature in South Dakota right now? Because it's about 50 in Vegas. Minus 27 degrees right now, wind chill. It's minus 11 degrees, just normal. That's chilly. We had a kind of a storm. Yeah. Do you think Michelle, your wife, ever wishes that she stayed in Vegas just because of that crap? No. Yeah, <laughs> that she stayed there. I can tell you that. So what? What? So you? I mean, you were in Vegas for a year. You taught fifth grade here. We had a lot of fun. Uh, when you went back to South Dakota, I don't know if you remember this or not. But like what or now, what are the difference between, differences between education in Vegas and education in South Dakota? Well, I mean, yeah, you think back of that. It's just got me like going down memory lanes since I've been texting you the last week or so. But well, first of all, I don't think there's anything different. I think kids are kids where you teach them, right? It's just um, you talk about perspective and perspective is what you're your your platform is and that's really where it comes from i i don't definitely melting pot in las vegas but i grew up on a, four miles from the reservation in south dakota so a lot of my buddies growing up were native american guys so you know we still have some of those different cultural things but man you just think about the path that you've been i went from so we were down there for a year and there's a year-round school and you just told me that they don't even have year-round schools anymore which is crazy to me um, because I just thought that was kind of a thing that would just continue on with all the kids. They found some money in Vegas, huh? To teach, to build buildings or what? Well, Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders have really helped out. Okay. Because I don't think a lot, you know, a lot of people want to complain. Well, they're publicly financing a, you know, a $2 billion stadium. But a lot of people forget how much revenue that place brings in every year. And, you know, I mean, between the Raiders and the concerts and everything else that goes on there, um, I I attribute that to a lot of revenue that came in. And so then this year, Governor Lombardo decided that he was going to basically fund education fairly well. And I guess it was last year. And now we have, I mean, we have money. I have tons of money. Uh, but the funny thing is, when you have money, you don't have people. And so when you have people, you don't have money. Um you know, there's just, I mean, I don't know. Are you, cause, okay. So for the listeners, you're a superintendent now. How do you, how do you recruit people to negative 27 outside? Like who wants to come there and, and work and how do you find those people? Well, do you guys have, you know, when you and I were, we should, when you and I were hired that year, 1999, 2000, I think they hired 4,000 people, 4,000 teachers that year. Um, my wife and I were both recruited at a, at a job fair. I was hired over the phone and they were like, Oh, your wife's a teacher. I said, yes, put her on the phone. <laughs> and then <laughs> same school, we were offered a job in Las Vegas and we were offered, offered a job at Wake County 
in North Carolina. I'm a big Duke guy, so it was hard to pass up going to Wake County and being eight miles from Durham, but um, they wouldn't let us teach in the same school. And of course, you're kids, you don't have any money, and we had one vehicle and the whole deal. But so we get recruited to go to Las Vegas, and we were, I think the salary, man, was like, still wasn't like great. It was $22,000 or something. We actually, I remember this. We started out at 26060. But wasn't that with like a $4,000 payback loan deal? We were given a loan, but we had to pay it back zero interest, and they just kind of came out of your check. I don't remember that. You and Michelle might have. I don't. I don't remember that. Um, I just know it was twenty six zero six zero. That's that's all yeah. I know. So, so twenty six grand. That was twenty years ago. And then when you start talking about the reason I say this, because here's my memories of when I was there twenty years, twenty five years ago, twenty six years ago, twenty five <laughs> years ago. We got there. We're in a year round school, right? My wife is uh, in a building that's like kindergarten and first grade, not attached to the regular school. The fifth grade teachers, which I was a fifth grade teacher, we were in our own seven little trailer houses. Portables. The internet did not exist. There was We had one computer, in our, and I didn't even use it. Like nobody used it. It was one computer in our little trailer house. Didn't have internet. Uh, no textbooks. Not a single textbook. We had a few like little grammar, like soft cover grammar books that we pulled for maybe sentences or doing daily grammar or whatever. Um, and no stand, there was no such thing as like standards. This is No Child Left Behind, remember? It was right when NCLB was starting. We had this little purple yeah. book that had kind of a book of these are some things some they kind of need to know. There was zero <laughs> whatsoever. It was a different time, you know. I think we had a little purple binder that had that had some things in it, um, like some essential standards or things of that nature. Three reams of paper, remember? You, that's what you got a month. We drove home for a wedding, like in October or November, and my mom worked for a school district. We went downstairs into their central office and grabbed like eight boxes of colored paper. It was like coming back with crack in that school. Everybody was. <laughs> Can we trade for your paper? <laughs> there, was there was nothing. I mean, I took, I got binders for science experiments from one fifth grade teacher. I got some books from my aunt that was an English teacher. We, I mean, you didn't, I, we sat Sunday and created like worksheets and assessments for our students for the week because there was nothing out there. And you couldn't just Google it and say, hey, show me some some worksheets. You certainly couldn't go to chat GPT and say, design me a lesson. <laughs> you just did it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember, you know, basically Sunday when we weren't playing football parlays, <laughs> I remember, you well, know, like you would, you, you, you'd be making your own worksheets and you would just try to, I mean, you would legit write out, you know, write an expanded form or whatever. And then, and then you'd have a, you'd have to keep it for the next year. So you didn't have to do it again. It was a crazy time, man. It was a crazy time. Yes, I mean, we, I, I remember having, I think I started with 30 kids, had as many as 49 at one point in time, just ins and outs, ins and outs. <laughs> and uh, five, six, seven kids a month starting in January that didn't speak English. There was no ELL or ESL programs. It was I, I remember one of my students, can I say a student's name out here? I don't know who's around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you're fine. No big deal. He's older now, but Chris Valenzuela is his name. I remember him like yesterday. He would interpret for me, and that's how we kind of did it. I mean, it was 
you learned how to be an educator back then. And I, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I just, I wouldn't. Um, so, but when I come back and see all of the resources that teachers have today and, and the complaints that kind of you get once in a while, you're like, man, <laughs> you, you don't even know what the, what, the, what you're dealing with. Yeah. Never, you're like, I, I, so I struggle, sorry, man. I struggle because, you know, I feel like we had to learn how to teach. We had to learn how to make do with what we had and how to pull groups with what we had. And nowadays I struggle greatly with programs because I don't think it teaches you how to teach. It teaches you how to just to follow page by page. And I struggle I with that. More. I can, I could not agree with you more. I say this to my, to my teachers and my staff all the time. I, I am not about programs. I'm about people. And that's, and that's where you, uh, you know, you make your hay. Now you go back to the recruiting in South Dakota. I, you know, we do have a program in South Dakota now called Educators Rising. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's kind of a competition. But it's really about growing your own. You know, the data will tell you that most of the people don't don't leave outside of 100 miles of their hometown. So you just try to grow your own and try to collect those students that, uh, you know, want to be teachers and you push them to it. And, but we have a teacher shortage here. I and mean, it's a big deal. We're short 450 teachers in the state of South Dakota, which doesn't sound like a lot. You're probably short ten, you know, 4,000 just in Las Vegas. But I think, I think it's 2,000. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's stopping. I don't think it's going to uh, stop anytime soon. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be worse. Our our numbers at the college levels are down 100, 100% with people graduating. Well, so much of what I say, though, is I think I think we eat our own. I mean, if you look, I mean, now I'm going to ask you why you don't have social media. I'm sure there's a story behind it. But from my story, from my standpoint, you know, on social media, we eat our own. There's so much negativity about the profession and about teaching that why would anybody want to go into it? And then of course, you know, right now everybody wants to be a YouTuber or something, right. but, and you know, and I just don't, uh, I don't see it getting any better. You can grow your own all you want, but uh, it's just really hard, especially with inflation. I don't know how it is there, but like in Vegas, everything's expensive now and they've, they've raised the starting salary, which is great, but they got other problems, but I just, you know, I don't know other than it's just, and I just believe teaching is a calling. It just is what it is. But why would you want to be a teacher when all you see is negativity? Yeah, I'm, I, I think there's a part of that. And it, and you say you eat your own. Some of that negativity comes from the inside. A lot of the negativity is from the inside. And uh, I'm with you. You you uh, you either love doing this job or you don't. And and the, the sh- long and short of it is, just get out. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, you shouldn't be there. Um, well, yeah. So yeah, in South Dakota, I don't know if you face this too. You know, back. Uh, I mean, there was times when you could hire people. There was tons of people. But now you kind of, you know, you have to decide, okay, like, do I really want to get rid of this person or I want to coach them for another year or do I want to continue to help them? Because there's nobody lined up. Yeah. You hear my dogs barking in the background? Yeah. That's all right. You're good. You're good. The golden doodles. The golden doodles are barking it up. Yeah, we, you know, um, the profession is hard. We we don't do ourselves any favors in that regard, as far as the positivity goes. But it's also very, very difficult. You know, you're dealing with all of the social emotional problems now. Um, the mental health of the students is, is more important now than ever. I don't think that it was ever not important. It's just you're starting to realize that it's something you have to address all the time. We're getting more and more and more behavior issues at five and six years old. 
Um, parents aren't the easiest to get along with all the time. Not not all of them, but just the tougher ones are still tough, and they're even tougher now. Um, you know, the thing about teaching is that everybody's everybody. All, when you're in education, you're dealing with people's kids. Those people all went to school, and they all have kids. So now they think they know how to do your job. And uh, well, I know I've been, I went to school. I can I know how to educate. Well, no, not really. Um, so there, there's a lot of issues. And then you throw out the fact that I don't know what your base salary is there. We had an initiative about six years ago was to raise the salaries for teachers in South Dakota, but our base salary is still forty five thousand a year. They just raised ours. Well. It was, I think it's 53 now, um, but the teachers here just got their new contract actually a couple weeks ago. And really, honestly, nobody knows exactly where they're at anymore because it's all, you know, it's all just misdirection and discombobulated. But even, I mean, 45 in South Dakota is probably equal to 53 in Vegas, though, just with the cost of living, I'm guessing. I would, I would, I would suspect you're probably right. Although, you know, the, the um, inflation is not, stopped you know i think COVID did one thing that made it that that boosted inflation everywhere um i think it is a little less expensive to live here probably um but it's not like they haven't been impacted because inflation went up so fast you your jobs can't keep up with it it doesn't matter i mean and then we're not the only ones hurting for jobs my brother runs seven concrete plants and he can't find drivers or salesmen um mcdonald's is hiring for 22 dollars an hour they can't find people. Uh, just, I don't know. It's, there's, a, there's a really kind of a workforce issue. Um, so I don't have all the answers to that either. Just Yeah. You know, and you're, you're in a little bit different position being a superintendent. Um, you, I'm assuming a superintendency is like, a, just like it is here. Um, you know, you have to negotiate with teachers and contracts and all that stuff. Again, I'm assuming you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, you only get you're I make this argument, you know, like Superintendent Jar in Vegas, like you only get so much money and you have to make it go around. And I don't think people uh, inherently trust the superintendents, just to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would say superintendency at my level, just because we have a thousand kids K-12, which in South Dakota is 20. We have 149 school districts, 22nd largest in South Dakota. Um, so it's not like you're managing tens of thousands of students, maybe like Sioux Falls. You know, Sioux Falls has 26,000 students and 400,000 people. And you know, that's a little bit bigger animal. They're more like the PR piece. Um, obviously, when you're super through the superintendency, you're, you're, a lot of it is financial. A lot of your decisions are financial. Um, but in small town South Dakota, I don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a trust factor to superintendents when it comes to dollars because they're all kind of spent by the school boards and everybody knows who the school board members are. They go to church with them. They see them downtown. They're in the grocery store They're You know, that's a whole different set of issues that we probably deal with in smaller towns than they do in bigger cities. I mean, our board members and myself will run into people, you know, the same. We, we know about everybody. At least we have families and links or whatever, you know. Does so, that does does that make it harder? The fact that you know, I mean, I'm from a small town too of, of a thousand people. I often wondered if I was a principal there. Does it make it harder to know that if you make someone mad, you're going to see them walking down the street? Well, what's difficult <clears throat> it, it it is and it isn't. What's difficult with that is 
is you make them mad and they hold grudges for a long time. Small towns. What they're mad about. You know, it could be four years later and you know that person doesn't like you very much, but I don't know that that person could tell you why. Um, <laughs> actually, in, in my career so far, that's happened a number of times where the student, you know, this individual that might be upset about something three or four years later when their kids are out of school, they come back and go, listen, I was wrong. I was, you're right. It wasn't a big deal. And, uh, and that has happened a few times, which is kind of nice to hear. Doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't help you from recovering those five years where you wanted to dodge them out of the way of the supermarket, you know, walk, walk through the different aisle, like, oh, crap, they're there. But it is what it is, I guess. Comes with the territory. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we were talking, the uh, the quickest way to fail is try to make everybody happy. Yeah. And I can imagine the difference is, though, in a small town is if you make one person unhappy, well, they've got an uncle and a cousin and three friends and, then, you know, very loyal. <laughs> it's just, it's just a different beast, man. Yeah. I think, I think it's like, um, you know, I, I choose, this was my first year in this, I'm in a community now, uh, Del Rapids is the name of the town. I just moved to this school district. I was in a little town in Parker, South Dakota before for the last nine years as the superintendent and about uh, 1100 people in, in Parker, 500 kids, K-12. I went to Del Rapids, there's 4,500 people, uh, 1,100 kids, K-12. So it's double or 65% bigger, you know. So you don't, you still you still kind of know everybody and see everybody. But in this first year, I've just put a ton of time in with at every ball game that's at home. And I travel to the ball games on the road and I've been to the, to the musicals and the plays and uh, to oral and turf and I go to the morning Christmas, you know, the Christmas con you just go to as many things as you possibly can. You start growing that stack of chips, you know, Vegas. And then when <laughs> somebody's mad at you, it takes a chip away, but it, you know, you've, you've built some equity there. And I feel like that if you do that over and over and over, yeah, you can disagree with most rational people. It's the irrational people that I don't really have time for. That goes back to some of the social media stuff. I don't really care about that either. Like the crazy yeah. people's, I could care less. Yeah. They're matter. Not matter. It don't matter to me. Yeah, like so. I mean, we'll we'll talk about themes in a second. But the theme that we used at uh, Thompson last year was relationships over everything. And unfortunately, people don't understand. Like you said, stack and chips. Your relationships, you have to have them because if you don't, then people people don't feel valued. And then when you have to tell them something bad. Well, they know that you care and they know that you're making it for the right reason. So, you know, you and I, we've always been very similar, but, you know, like yet yeah, your relationships, like starting the new school, I didn't, you know, I was talking to everybody. What do you need? What do you need? Because you have to build up the trust equity. Otherwise, it's a hard, hard job. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It is. And it's and I think that one of the frustration, frustrating pieces about that, and I've, I've mentored a number of administrators over the years, and what I try to get them to realize right off the bat is that, um, I think you and I were texting about this, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Work hard. That, and that's the truth. Now, you, you, you have people that are going to be in your camp. And I mean, I'm not saying that they're not going to give you a birthday card or they don't feel bad if something happens. What I mean is that when the push... When push comes to shove and you're messing with their money or you're messing with their classroom or you're messing with their family, they don't care. 
what you have to say or what you're about. They care about what's best for them, period. And unfortunately, you have to make decisions. This is what my goal, I told you, you can't bagel your way out of this stuff. You have to build that equity enough and get people to honestly know that you really do care. The old John Wooden thing, right? Nobody cares what yep. you know until they know how much you care. Um, you have to really be genuine in that. And people can see through that crap. You know, you know the fakes just like I do. And I think those relationships are going to be tough. They're, I mean, some of those people don't matter. You're going to have good relationships with, and they're still going to be like the one time you have to tell them, no, they're mad. I'm out of here. Take my ball and go home. Okay. <laughs> I guess. But most of the time, if you have built up that genuine relationship, um, it goes a little bit better for you. They can disagree with you. They can be upset for a little bit, and then you can move on and you know head towards a common goal. But we just, I mean, we just come from sports backgrounds, you know, and just it. You can hate your coach, or you can hate what your coach says, but in the end, if you know that the coach is trying to get more out of you or make you better, then you listen it and you get pissed off, and then you know what you do? You go do what the coach says. Yeah, exactly. And well, so that, no, I think you and I came from that background and that era. My guess is your dad kind of said, listen, I'm telling you what to do. You're going to do it. <laughs> my dad was my dad was uh, notorious for saying, do as I say, not as I do. Right. And I grew up with what what the boss tells you to do, you do it. I, there's no, you know, we've been our own enemies a little bit in in education with the whole voice and choice movement, right? We want to give everybody a voice and we got to give everybody a choice. Well, then all of a sudden when it's not something they don't want to do, now, well, where's my voice and choice? Well, you, you don't get a voice and choice in this matter. Just like we don't get a voice and choice with the speed limit at 75. If it's 75, you go 75. That's way, That's what it is. You don't, you don't try to tell the cop, well, you know, um, I got this note and it says that I can go 85 today. It don't work now. <laughs> but you know, like we're again, going back to sports. This is why I struggle. I mean, also with programs, when you look at, uh, you know, like you're a huge Duke guy. I, I of course like North Carolina, <laughs> but yeah, I know you're shaking your head. There's one, there's one in every group, <laughs> but you know, like, not everybody is made for North Carolina and not everybody is made for Duke. But yeah, in education, we're trying to just pigeonhole them into the same stuff all the time. And I don't understand why leaders don't understand that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you on that. Like, for sure. You know, you, you supervise how many, how many principals? Uh, right now? Yeah. I've got one, two, my admin team is six. So I've got an elementary principal, middle school principal, high school principal, special education director, IT director, and facilities activities director. And within that, within the principals, the three principals, I'm going to guess all three of them do not have the same leadership styles or the same vision, or maybe they do, maybe you're lucky, but they all have their way and their way might work. Absolutely. There's what's the old saying, a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? No, they're, they're all, um, they're all very different. Uh, two of them are couldn't be more different. I mean, I'm talking oil and water, um, and they share a building. So that's not always the easiest thing for anybody. Nor nor should it be. And that and that's really kind of the. Um, you bring up a good point. Like you you, I say this all the time. I I know how my way is, and I think my way is pretty good. I may disagree with your way, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. 
and I struggle with that a little bit sometimes because uh, I, I'm not a micromanager. Um, that, that's for sure. But I am somebody that believes in doing the right thing. And if my people aren't going to do the right thing, then we're going to have then then I am going to micromanage that that piece. Yeah. Again, you know, like we're again cut from the same cloth. I don't need to micromanage you. Just have outcomes and don't get me on the news and don't get me sued. Other than that, do your job. You know, I There's don't help me help you. I yes. Say, uh, <laughs> help me yes. Help. help me help you, Rod. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. I, I do that all the time too. But no, we, I, you know, it, it is important. That relationship piece is important, and that makes it hard too because you put a lot of stock in into people. Um, I've I've tried to work really hard with with a couple of my teachers at times, only to have to go in a different direction. And those are really hard hard conversations because for two, you know, a couple of years, you maybe you disagree with some of the things they do, but as a person, you really care for them and you like them and but you got to make tough decisions. That's where the relationship piece is hard. That's where it's being people like us. That's where it's hard. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you being in South Dakota though, the thing about Vegas is if someone doesn't like me, they have to make it through one year. And then there's 230 other elementary schools that they can get out. You probably don't have that option in many cases. No. And if they are still in education, they're going to see me at some point. Now. <laughs> there's only 800,000 people in South Dakota. So we kind of know everybody. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just a just a whole different. Uh, I think about too thinking about back home. Um, you know, you don't get a job unless someone dies, basically, because there's no job openings. Everybody's there, assuming they're doing doing their part. So it's just a different. It's really you were saying earlier. You know, you have 1,100 students. I mean, I almost have that many at Tyrone Thompson next year, and. It's just, it's just, it's the same, but it's different, man. It's just this, it's education, but it's different in all areas. Yeah. Educating kids and, you know, the, diff, the only difference for me is that those are K-12. So you're dealing with seniors and kindergartners and you have K-5, right? I suppose K-5. Yeah, K-5. Um, your the, your, so you talked about your theme last year. So your theme this year is... Or the Harry Potter deal or the, the kind of your your houses, is that every year? Is that something you always do? Yeah, no, the houses is built into the system. So everybody, every every family, when they walk in the door, they get a QR code. We know what it is, but they don't. And essentially they watch a video on their phone and then magically they're selected to be in the house of integrity. And so every family gets a house and then they get a T-shirt. And then we have basically competitions uh, throughout the year to, you know, whoever, whoever's the most honest, you get a point and then they go on a field trip, but the houses are built in, but you know, our themes, like we were talking about, I do a theme every year. This year's theme is live your purpose. Um, Cause last year I was struggling at some times with some things and I just kind of was wondering, you know, what's, what's my purpose. And it's weird how, you know, it's weird how the, the, uh, the themes just pop in there. Um, You know, two years ago it was relationships over everything. Uh, coming out of COVID was weird. Like if you want a challenge, go open a school in the middle of a pandemic. That's a, that's a good time. You you interview everybody online and you meet all the kids and parents online and they don't know you. Try to have a basketball game during COVID. Try to do that. (laughs) Yeah. So 
So anyways, we finally got rolling pretty much last year. And it was, then it was just all about relationships, man. And then this year, you know, what's your purpose? Why are you here? Why are we, why are we at this school? So we're living our purpose. I know what next year's is um, too. I'm always thinking ahead. I got like 90, every time I'm, every time I'm like out and about and I see something inspirational, I'm like, Ooh, I can do a theme out of that. But it's got to, it's got to basically be able to be applicable to all staff so they can all buy in. That's kind of my it's thing. theme for your staff or staff and kids. So it started as a staff and then I wanted to expand it. And so this year we're starting to expand it out. Uh, we just did last week where we were handing out t-shirts to any student or parent that could come up and say, the theme at Tyrone Thompson this year is to live your purpose. So we're starting to expand it now just to get more buy-in with the community. They love us. I mean, we're very, 99.99% of the parents are great and they're, they're on board, but it's just getting more buy-in. And then next year we're going to get it to where it just comes. It's like a community-wide mantra. It's kind of what we're trying to get to. You know, like I was telling you about a guy named Joe Sanfilippo, who is in small town Wisconsin, and he he's kind of the same thing. So he talks about how their mascot is the crickets. Yeah, you know the mighty crickets. Yeah. And he he basically says, you know what? Like we put crickets on everything because you're trying to get the buy-in to the you know of the community into your school and if you get that well then you're in good shape yeah i think that's a lot of what you you talk about going back to our sports you know our kind of our roots are athletic and teams and um that's that's probably where i got mine my dad was a coach and i grew up playing everything under the sun and had that ability to do when you're in small towns but um and i was i was very i was a very good athlete i would say average i was never a superstar so the team meant a lot to me and uh, I think being part of a team is important. Well, I also then when I moved back to South Dakota, you know, I, I was coaching and I coached basketball. I mean, I coached a lot of crap, but basketball is kind of my thing. And we're pretty successful. And a lot of it is, um, you know, you always have a th- we always had a theme in, with, for our team, whether it was, you know, it doesn't matter what it was. I think 212 degrees one year, you know, we had. And I yeah, told you, I've... Lock of Geese one we had. And, um my favorite one was Think Different, and that was a whole Steve Jobs deal. And uh, we even had the Think Different kind of logo, and then we did the Apple of basketball, and that was pretty awesome. So, yeah, I, I've always been on that too. So the second I became um, superintendent, I just rolled that over into just my school. Now, some of them, uh, like this year was a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say it's this big, huge push. It's a brand new school for me. I'm getting to know everything. but um, my theme this year was there's something in the orange. So the Quarriers are orange, or they're orange and black, and they're a they're a pretty good. They've, they've, they're they're a well established school, very good athletically, very good at, at test scores, nice community, very very uh, affluent. I'd put them on the above above the median line when it comes to you know finances for most of the students. Now it doesn't mean we don't have some of our lower economic kids because we do, but. Um, so for me, it's like you're coming into a place that they don't need that pick me up. They're all pretty motivated people. Um, but for me, it was just every time I turned around, there was, you know, I won a coffee mug that was orange that year. I won a speaker that was orange that year. I, that stupid Zach Bryan song was, I've never even heard of him before. And my kid was playing it downstairs. And I'm like, man, there's just something in the orange around here. And it was a great change for me at the time. And um, so that was mine. But like I told you, I've had the, fish philosophy theme once we uh um we were built we built a new school new elementary school in parker first first build they've had 
big major build that they've had in the district since 1970. But it was tear, school stuff was tore up and we had to move and do all this crap. And we were just like, hey, we just got to lean into the curves here. We're going to have some ups and downs. So my principal and I came rolling in on scooters and um, we played the old Harley music. And so we had a good time, right? So it's just, uh, uh, we had the green lights theme one year. Matthew McConaughey actually did a little um, cameo deal for us and, and introduced the year. So I'm, I'm with you. I think things are good. It kind of brings you together and uh, promotes you to the community a little bit. And it lets people know that you care. That's the biggest thing that I think you have going for you in a large city community is you have, like me, this small town feel of that you actually do care. You do want a community. You do want to be part of something. And uh, I think that's why they loved us as Midwesterners coming to Las Vegas 25 years ago is because we had that. And uh, I remember Mrs. Buck was our principal, and she's, I remember her looking at me saying, man, if we could get 100 of you guys we, we, you know, we'd be set, but I think it was that Midwestern values, maybe. Yeah, you know, I mean, values and <clears throat> work ethic, um, and just, you know, like, you're going to do it, you're going to do it right, and then you're going to give it your all, and, or you know what, you're good. Hey, here's something. Here's a shocker. You know what you and I do? Is if we mess up, we take accountability for it. Hey, that's a <laughs> bad word. That's a really bad word. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's in today's world, you know, uh, I think we were texting about that, you know, it's the, it's the whole thing, you know, back in the old day, if, if the teacher called our parents, it was our, you know, we were going to get it. And now all of a sudden it's the teacher's fault these days, which I don't know. I think accountability is just a, a lost art in some cases. And I, and where do you think that comes from? I mean, where, where do you, I do, I feel, I do truly feel that some of this stuff is cyclical. Um, my kids, my parents raised me to, you know, that's like, first of all, my parents were raised by the greatest generation, the World War II guys, right? And they had a work ethic and they had accountability and that's who, you know, the baby boomers or whatever they were. So then they had my parents' generation and then they instilled those values on me. And now I'm instilling those values on my, on my two kids. I think sometimes some of that stuff is somewhat cyclical. I, I it's my only Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I think uh, part of it is uh, participation trophies. Um, I think part of it is we want everybody to feel good about themselves. You know, we don't want you to face any adversity. Right. And so you got that. I think education, you can't just fire someone. I have said repeatedly, if I knew that I could be fired tomorrow and I wouldn't have an income or insurance and my family would not have this stuff. I think a lot of people will do a lot of things differently. Are, are unions strong there? <laughs> I have to laugh because it, it would depend on who you ask. The teachers union, I would say no personally. I think they stink, um, my opinion. I think they protect the people that, that – uh, I mean, is Nevada like a strong union state? Not in education and everything else, yeah. You know, the culinary union, they will gladly shut down the strip if they want a raise. Okay. But in education, they you can't strike, which is part of the problem. So I would say the admin union, our guys, is great. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think some others could definitely do better, but it depends. Education just doesn't have that union behind it type thing. There's a lot of bark and no bite. You know, they, they want to say, oh, well, we'll... No, there's no... <laughs> 
in South Dakota. Like we're not, a, we're a right to work state and it's just not a big deal. I was offered a superintendent job in um, Montana a few years back in Whitefish and going through that process, like they have strong union state. Uh, as a matter of fact, the teachers union negotiates the superintendent's salary. And I'm like, what? Like, I, that's just some crazy stuff to me. But there was an hour, I had an interview with the, with the union for an hour. And that was just, it was enlightening because I'm not used to that at all. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, I guess that's, that's interesting that they, <laughs> they would be in charge of your salary if you're the superintendent. I was looking. I was looking right now. Hey, you know, it's only negative four in Whitefish right now, so you know. Yeah, you go on the slopes over there. <laughs> I think what it is is you get a base. You know, they they give you X amount of dollars, so there's this base salary, and then basically you get exactly what the teachers negotiate for their raise. So if they get four percent, then you get four percent, and that's yeah. kind of how it goes. You don't okay. have to seat at the table. Yeah. So I I've never once. Well, I mean, people always, people, I've had some people say you should be superintendent and I start laughing. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't ever, maybe for like 0.3 seconds, ever thought about being a superintendent. Why did you choose that path? Um, I think it goes back to just the, it's the, it's the, it's the ultimate leadership position in our field. Um, Superintendency in, in most school districts in South Dakota are not what they are in Las Vegas and Kansas City and Cincinnati. And I mean, I, I uh, one of the reasons that I did not want to go to this new position is because it was twice as big. And uh, my other superintendent job, I was also the elementary principal for nine, eight of those nine years. I was an activities director. I was a transportation director. I'm still the special education. I was a special education director. You know, you do, you have multiple hats. I know every single one of those kids. And the reason we got into this is kids. And I did not want to get further away from kids. It was a great opportunity. When I went to Del Rapids, it's twice as big. I was nervous about getting further away from the kids. Um, my central office is in the high school. So and the high school, the middle school are connected. So I'm out and about talking to kids all day long. So I, I didn't, uh, I, I get to keep that relationship with those kids. Um, but it's the alt, it's the ultimate uh, leadership position. You feel like you have a, I feel like I know the way a school should work and be ran in a district. And I wanted that opportunity. And um, yeah, so I just took a hold. But like you said, my, my district as a whole is basically the same size as your elementary school. So yeah, so yeah. So, Vegas has a whole different root, set of set of chops, set of rules, set of set of uh, demands than I have as in this school. You know. Yeah, I see your point. I mean, I, my brother will text me every now and then, and he'll be like, "The superintendent job's open," and I'm like, "Ah." So I, every now and then, I'll think about going back home just because. Uh, you could, you're, you know, in a small town, you are the principal and the superintendent. You get to do it all. But the thing that, that scares me is I don't know anything about ordering food. I don't know anything about transportation. I mean, I'll drive the bus if I have to, but it's the things that I don't know, I think, that keep me out of it. Well, you got people to do that. That's one thing that was for this one was really refreshing is I first first day on the job here. I've got I said, I'm asking for things, blah, blah, blah. And my assistant's like, well, so-and-so will do that for you. And so-and-so will do that for you. And so-and-so, I'm like, I'm not used to having people do stuff. I'm used to doing it all. Uh, matter of fact, my my secretary and I joked in Parker, I was, I didn't have a P 
PhD or an EDD, I had a BOE, which was boss of everything. <laughs> you pretty much did everything. <laughs> but so, again, that's that's how we were raised, though. You know, you just like it's you know, someone needs help, you go do it. And I'll be honest with you, if I was going to stay in education to make any type of money whatsoever, you had to work up the ladder and become a principal. And and the next thing is superintendent. Like you, you just if you're going to make any significant dollars at all to be able to kind of live the way you want to live, it's either get out or go up into the leadership positions. Yeah. And, that was, and that's part of it. I mean, dollars was part of the motivation for sure. Well, sure. I mean, we all we all want to have more and, and grow more. All right. So what you like you let's just say that you just hired a new elementary school principal for your, uh, you know, for your area. What's what's your best piece of advice for them coming in? Ooh, man. Um, I, I, I would go back to exactly what we've been talking about, that first of all, nobody really cares how smart you are and cares what you know. You have to start building relationships right away. Um, learn the kids' names, try to figure out where the families are from, um, get to know your staff. Staff is... Uh, um, important to get in your camp, but I also think that you have to be, uh, you have to be pretty, pretty strong. I am not, I, I'm a relationship guy, but I'm not a pushover. I believe in, um, I believe totally in preserving people's dignity, but you're going to do things the right way. I'm not a yeller and a screamer. I could be, I can be once upon a time I was, <laughs> But uh, 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot of time I was, I was just that I had a big, huge temper. I still do. I just have learned to um, kind of embrace that. But yeah, you, I, I think you've got to, you've got to have a plan and a goal for your school and you've got to, uh, to put it together and, and uh, stick to that. Um, I, I'm in the new school. So we're on just long story short. Del Rapids School District that I'm at right now, one of the biggest things that has been something my high school principals wanted to do is change their schedule. We have what is called a block schedule. It's like 90-minute blocks. But the truth of the matter is it isn't. We have, uh, over the years, have had to adapt that so much that we actually have two-thirds of our blocks have been divided up into 45-minute, what they're calling skinnies. Well, my high school principal wants to get away from the block. And in order to do that, we register kids in March for high school. So we have to work through this process, take it to the board. Well, there's a handful of people that are up in arms and just mad. And the kids think they're mad because kids think they know and they don't know anything about anything until you tell them. Because I talk to my kids and go, hey, how would you guys like to sit in biology for 90 minutes? And both my kids are like, no way. Like, But our kids are just, we're going to have twice as much homework. They're just not used to it, right? Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to do is come into a new district and have to do anything even remotely controversial, although I wouldn't call this controversial. Um, but it needs to be done and it's not the easy thing to do, but it needs to be done. And if you do it the right way and you go through the process some people are going to be upset, but you have to make those decisions. Like you said, you can't lead from the fence. You have to make decisions. You have to have a, have a goal in mind and an idea in mind and you move forward. So principal relationships, get to know your staff, know your students and have a goal and a plan where you want to go. Yeah, I think a plan is important. You know, like I, I know what I'm doing. I mean, like 90% of next year is already planned. Um, you know, I, I know where we, like I, too many people, I think, can't look further than like next week. And I don't understand that. You need to have a plan. I mean, that frustrates me because, again, yeah, I see so many. 
there, right? There's a balancing act to, well, I'm forced to because like I have next year's calendar has yeah. to be approved at the next board meeting. So you're forced to kind of look ahead. But you also have to live in the moment and be present in the moment or you're going to have things pass you by. Um, yeah. Is there, you know, like your own, your own girls. Um, don't work so hard that you don't have any memories because that's all you have at the end is memories. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say don't get so busy earning a living you forget to live your life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, there was 10 years that I was super guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm right now, you know, I mean, they're teenagers. They don't want to be around dad hardly at all. So it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, they'd rather be around their boyfriends and stuff. Um, so it gives me some freedom, but, yeah. uh, but you know, now that we're getting, I think we're getting older too, or you've always been pretty good about this, but you're getting older and you realize time's way more important than anything else. And then before you know it, we're, you know, sitting well, on a rocking chair. Why, yeah. I, you know, I, when we lost our youngest son, I know that I just threw myself into just what I was doing and lost about 10 years there. Yeah. I mean, you just go back and have tremendous guilt, but you also wouldn't necessarily change it. I'm, I'm in all the family pictures, so I must not have missed too much. <laughs> but, you know, maybe maybe it's just that our memories are bad. We were there and we loved it. I know we loved it, but we just, just can't remember shit because we're old now. Yeah. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't change it. I was coaching basketball then. We were really successful, number of state tournaments, a couple championship games, and um, threw my life into that. And, um, yeah, I was one of the biggest pieces I moved back from Vegas was to get into that. You know that coming from a small yeah. town. Yeah. Field here. I can't home. I can't remember the guy's name. There's a guy um, who took over a football program in Memphis and started uh, started this big movement. And he was just getting things turned around. And he decided that he had to leave coaching because his kids were growing up too fast. And they said, they basically said, well, Dad, the people that you're leaving need you. And that was his basic his slap in the face that his own kids knew the other kids needed him, which means he needed to spend more time with his kids too. Right. Um, yes. I can't remember what that's called. Dang of it. Uh, but it's, it's actually, they made a documentary out of it. Um, Cause he, he was in a tough part of Memphis and, uh, and managed to turn around and then, you know, did a lot of good things for the community. So what, uh, what's next in your world? Are you going to stay there until you retire or what? I don't know about that. Um, well, we can retire at rule of 85. So, you know, technically I've got about what, eight and a half years to go and I could retire. I won't. Um, I think there's one more step in my journey. Probably if I, I, I could easily end my career in Del Rapids It's a great community. Um, we've never built a house before. We're doing that now. We just bought, uh, three acres out of town and we have a bunch of toys, not to be sound like a jerk, but we do. We have a couple motorcycles and a Ranger and some crap. So we're actually building a shouse. Have you ever heard of a shouse? No. So, so basically, it's like a slab on grade house, but it's got smaller living quarters and a huge shop garage. Um, our kids are older and they're kind of be out the door, and we really don't. I mean, we're, we're we have a upstairs downstairs four bedrooms bunch of, i mean we're literally in three rooms our bedroom the living room and the kitchen and that's about it you know so we just realized this is kind of a better thing we've always wanted to live out of town we have a couple dogs and so yeah it's a great great school great community my wife's michelle's an instructional coach in uh, harrisburg south dakota so she drives about 20 minutes to school so she teaches teachers is what she does so but yeah. she doesn't she doesn't drive in that weather though yeah well, she drove today <laughs> Yeah, do you know? Because you imagine, could you imagine Vegas people 
walking out to their car in negative negative ten and oh. having to drive having to drive twenty minutes to school. Right now, they'd be like, "What in the world?" Like you know, COVID. Everybody from California thought they were going to come here and buy our property and raise the prices of which they did. One winter, and they're like, "We're out of here. We don't care what your governor says. It's freezing around here." I saw I saw a bumper sticker once that said. Uh, 40 below, it keeps the riffraff out. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Too uh, fun, man. I would say that's probably, if, if, I had a, if I had the next step goal, um, I'm definitely kind of a five-year guy. Um, I'm committing really strong to five years at Del Rapids and work my tail off. And um, It's a great community, and if they will have me for five more, I'd probably stay five more. But there's opportunities. Um, in South Dakota, the double A is kind of the biggest classes. Those are your, your Sioux Falls, Rapid Cities, Capital City, Pier. Um, those are your bigger towns. That'd be the next jump maybe if I would go, but I don't know. I, I kind of like where I'm at. Like I said, if I got much bigger, it would take me away from the kids a little more. And that's not necessarily what I want to do. And we're happy. We're happy. We, we're comfortable. We don't need a ton of stuff. Yeah. We got enough money to do what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of you're going to be stuck because you got eight years left. I've found after after six or seven, people start tuning you out. Yeah, uh, and so you know you're going to have that that little bit. Hopefully, I can get. I've got anywhere from I've got probably got four and a half left. Hopefully, I can keep keep them motivated to where they aren't like, Dad, damn, damn, this guy so just shut. You're moving on to a different building, or no, I, no, I'll be well. I mean, we can reti- I can retire at fifty two. Okay, All so. Right. You know, I mean, we're, I hate to tell you this, man, but we're in our late forties now. In South Dakota, you have to be 55. Like you, there's a rule of okay. 85, but you have, the minimum is 55. Rule of 85 is years of experience in your age. Okay. Yeah. So Vegas is 30 years, but for us, when we started, it's 30 years. So, I know, I don't, but I can't even, I, I can't, I know we started this conversation this way. Maybe that's how we ended, but I cannot tell you how important it was for us to start the way we started. We, we really had to learn how to teach. Yeah. There was no, there was no download a thing and, and down, go to Google and here's all your million. Like I have teachers that freak out if they don't have, you know, the second teacher's edition of the 17 books of, of uh, their language arts curriculum that has writing and reading and English and it's all encompassing and has the ELL portion and the special education accommodations. Like they'll freak out if they don't have one of those things. We had nothing. And I don't think people understand that. Nothing. Had nothing. <laughs> Everything we got, we went and found. And had to figure it out. So full circle, which is nuts about you and I and how similar just be I mean, we haven't seen each other for years and you just pick up like it was like yeah. all right. I was not, I'm not this crazy wacko Harry Potter person, right? I'm, I'm not like wearing the cape to school and all that stuff. But I will say that Harry Potter saved, saved me as an educator because I came to C.H. Decker Elementary School and had all these kids and the melting pot of kids and different cultures and the kids that didn't speak English as well or not at all or or we're gang, you know, we're running around on the gang side of life. And I didn't experience my life, like just like anarchy. And Harry Potter came out. The very first book came out yeah. that year. I think maybe book two came out, you know, during one was out and then two came out. Well, I started reading that to my kids and they were like, 
They listened to every single word and loved it. And that became my, okay, here's what we're going to do today. And I will reward you with a chapter of the book. And um, thank God book number two came out because I lost <laughs> to be that year. But it saved my career because I don't know. I, I don't know where what I've been because it was tough, man. It was some tough sled in those first few weeks. It it was tough, you know, and the, <clears throat> yeah, because we were on track too, so we had to get through the first three weeks, and then we had a break. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, yeah same track. It, yeah, and so you know, it was it was you know, there's a lot of things that we did that we probably would never want any teachers to even think about doing. <laughs> well, and then we also, you know, Kovac and I put that little basketball deal together. Remember, we made those T-shirts and then we ironed those shirts just because we because we figured out a way to kind of get them to control. And Mrs. Buck rewarded us with giving us all the kids that had problems. <laughs> well, well, it's like, holy smokes. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it was just a different time, man. It was. it was a different time. And then, you know, us being males, we got, you know, we got some difficult kids that just needed male role models. And yeah, and I, I remember this this memory just popped in there. But during March Madness. I'm I'm pretty sure you came in my room while I was teaching, and we watched basketball. And uh, and I I don't remember the game, but I remember someone hit, like hitting a shot to win, and our brackets were like screwed. And you were just you were upset about that. <laughs> yeah, that was good times, man. I, I just they were really good times, and they were really tough. And I I don't even know what uh, you you threw a, you throw a teacher. I mean, remember we were twenty one, we we're twenty two. Twenty two. Never taught our own classrooms before. Well, no, we came from such small towns that had nothing like this. A twenty-two-year-old kid from South Dakota into Vegas right now and do what I had to do. They would be. They would look at you like, "What? How did we ever have teachers after that? How they, many? They, I mean, would survive that? They wouldn't. They would. The twenty-two-year-olds now. I don't. I don't think they would. They would walk out within the first few weeks. Call oh. it good. She got my hand stabbed with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy talk. It was just nuts. It was, man. But you know, we wouldn't trade it for anything, though. Oh, and you figured it out. I think that being on track two saved me too a little bit because I walked in there just being Mr. Nice Guy from South Dakota. Not that I was turned into a jerk, but it was like, okay, reset. Because <laughs> yeah. those first three three weeks were Yeah, for so, sure, man. Yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Uh yeah. social media thing, I'll tell you, my biggest thing is I'm I would say that I'm not, I'm an open book when it comes to like you, my, my buddies and people that I know, but outside of that, I'm pretty private. And some of that stuff, you just never know where it's going to land. And a board member, I really, it really started with coaching. Um, as a basketball coach in South Dakota, you're probably the most popular person in that community. Basketball's huge in South Dakota. And and you're known because you're in the newspaper every single day and you're on the news. And like in Rapid City, when I was there, it was just constant, constant, constant. So if anything popped up, uh, I think I had Facebook for like two days. This is back in 2000 and, mm, 2009. I think I had it for like two days. And somebody, somehow there was a picture on me at the river with a beer in my hand or something. And I'm like, how? I didn't even put a picture out there. How the hell is this? You know. So I, yeah. I was like, I'm not doing this crap. So I got, I got out of there. You're and smart I, though. I, I, I don't have so I have Snapchat just because so, my kids, like my son won't text me, but I'll snap him and he'll answer like that. I'm like, would you just send me a damn text? <laughs> I know you're around, you know. So I have that. Um, I had Twitter for a long time. Um, 
because I would follow coaches and I'd mm-hmm. pick up lesson, you know, I'd teacher, educators, coaches, um, pick up lesson plans and practice plans and all that stuff. But man, that thing got so nuts politically after really 30, probably just before COVID, but the COVID deal, the Floyd deal in Minneapolis, and then our governor's nuts and, you know, the whole, everybody, all the right wing people and the left wing, they just went crazy. I'm like, I have so many other things I could waste my time on. So I just got off it all. And yeah, no, I mean, you're, there's probably many of us, like when I retire someday, assuming I can, I'm going to get get to where it's just basically me and the kids. <clears throat> but, you know, like I think it's hard. Uh, well, I mean, if you have a podcast, you have to have it just because yeah. it's, it's, it's so easy to advertise. But, yeah, there's so much negativity. I got sucked into it a little bit a few years ago. And then now I just I only post positive stuff, man. I'm just going to post positive things. Yes. I am not this hater of all social media. I, I, I think it's, I think there's a positive purpose for it. Um, I, I, I just like, we have it for our school district. I just don't need it personally. My wife yeah. monitors stuff. Another thing that happened to me is back in the day when I first started coaching was when, you know, really the like 2002, three ish when, um, online newspaper articles kind of started coming up. So there was always ball games. Well, then they started letting people comment after games and it just became a bash fest and they just bashed every little decision that anybody made on there. And I read it the first few weeks and it just, just it bothered me. And I realized if I was like, I'm just not going to read this crap. Yeah. And I didn't read it. And guess what? It didn't bother me. It <laughs> it's was amazing. It just didn't bother me because I don't care. I didn't, I'm not reading, but, um, <laughs> You know, and I don't know why reading it bothers me anymore. I know it's stuff that's still out there, but I think it's just as easier just to ignore it all and not be part of it for me anyway. So I just I just don't get out there. Dabo Sweeney had the best thing, though. Somebody asked him about it, and he said, uh, you know, I he was talking about his friends and acquaintances. He said, there's a few people that I'll take advice from, and if I take advice from them, I'll take criticism from them. But the people that I wouldn't even waste a breath on to take – advice from i could really care less what they criticize and i'm like right. that's a really good way to take yeah. to look at it you know yeah, yeah. well man i appreciate i'm gonna it's been an hour it goes by fast i'm gonna yeah. wrap it up but uh i appreciate your insights good to catch up with you and uh, i mean you're always welcome back if you want to come talk more education oh i but, think you should do one where you get all of us back that started that year share tons of stories <laughs> probably have to be edited or <laughs> Like, I don't I got some about that new one that's an attorney now. I've got some great stories about him. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can get Kovac on. I'll, t- I'll try to set it up, and I'll keep in contact with you. Be kind of fun. I got your number now, and you've got mine, so let's stay let's stay in touch. I think you're doing a great job, and congratulations on the, on the books and the school. And Thanks, man. You're kicking ass over there yeah. for uh, show, showing the way that's supposed to be done. So well, Likewise, you're doing well in South Dakota. I the only the only thing that I have on you since you're actually a superintendent, I'm a principal, is that like I said, it's fifty degrees here and I'm gonna go stand outside in just a second. Yeah. Well it's <laughs> minus thirty here and I'm going to uh, try to push one little bit of snow and not freeze my <laughs> fingers off. Awesome man. Well hey I appreciate it and in the end no matter where you stand, whether it's South Dakota or Vegas, in the end it's all about perspective. Thank you very much, sir. Good my man. Appreciate it.